Whose turn is it? I I don't know. Okay, you take it. Where do you want me to take it? Take it to eleven. Take it to eleven. Live fancast. And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Welcome to episode 44 of the We're Live Fancast where we cover every new release of the We're Live audio drama. This is Mick. Hey, and this is Redbeard. And we're ready to talk about, what is it, chapter 46, part 1? Yes, under oh, pressure. goodness, our 10th chapter that we'll be covering. It's amazing. On this fan cast. And it's how many chapters before it's over? It ends on chapter 48, which will be a nice hour-long release, I'm sure. So depressing. Watch it be like two hours. He just couldn't fit it in. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would kind of hope. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Yes, I wouldn't be disappointed at all. Nope, nope. So we're covering 46 part one, under pressure. And we've had a lot of queen jokes, at least in the background of this podcast. I'm not sure how many have made it into the show. <laughs> but th- th- this name's perfect. <laughs> So, yes. What is it? Preparations? Preparations or something? Yeah, Preparations is a subtitle. Yep. Smells like Teen Spirit. (laughs) Or whatever Skittles smells like. Preparation Hotel. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Got any news for us? I don't have any news at this current time, sir. I do have... And I don't have any corrections either. Wow. Um, yeah, I guess we maybe maybe nobody listened. I don't know. <laughs> Just wait. Certainly we have corrections. Everybody's sleeping because they didn't catch us. Right. <laughs> uh, first flawless broadcast. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, the Burt interview will be released. Sorry for the delay. You'll understand when you hear it. <laughs> and I trust it was well worth it. Oh, it is it is so worth it. I cannot wait to hear it again. He messaged me tonight, uh Mr. Scott Marvin did, and he offered uh he offered to he knew we were having trouble getting it out, I guess, and he offered to have a more interviewee type interview. <laughs> and I told him, I said no way, man. I was like I was like we have what we want, you know. And he's like we would love to talk to you again. And do that too, but no way. You know, it's, perfect. I, it's been in the back of my brain just burning a whole hole. Um, the guy that plays Tommy is Bert's son, and so Nikolai. we need to. Yeah, we need to get. Well, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, because he's not a kid anymore. Um, we need to get him on here as well. Yeah, that would be cool if he's up for it. Right, right. A little father-son tandem, maybe. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I'd like to see if that tones him down any. I I have my theory. <laughs> I, I think he'd let his, his sunshine. That sounds funny. Right. Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> we do have another iTunes review, though. Whoa. Yeah. It says, a great addendum to the show, and it's five out of five stars. And thank you to Greg uh, S.Z., he left it the other day. It says, We're Live is, a, is an amazing podcast drama. The fan cast really adds to the story. And it seems like I have uh, everything figured out after an episode. Then I listened to Nick and Redbeard and realized much more was going on than I realized. Uh, thank you for all the hard work and the family-friendly style is refreshing. And yes, you heard correctly, <laughs> Nick and Redbeard. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Doesn't yeah? It doesn't bother me at all. It's just funny uh, since uh, Nick Voodoo is the one that. Well, there there is a Nick that that covers the show as well on the We're Not Dead. 
<laughs> well, I think it's probably one of those things where you kind of autocorrect it in your head. Right, or it's a typo. Like, you can't possibly be saying Mick. That's an insult. Right, or the, the Apple device or whatever you're using is like, Mick? No, 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 that's an, that's an offensive term. We're going to go with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Greg, you know, I hope you know we're just playing around. Thank you so much. Call him whatever you want. I do. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> but thanks again for the uh, review, and it means a lot to us to be able to go out there and uh, see you guys like it. So we got some new cover art with this chapter. We did. Did you get a chance to stare at it for a while? I, I really did, and I thought it would tell me something about the story. And I made a little, a few, I jotted a few notes down before I listened. Uh, but really, I couldn't come up with anything else other than it's just a regular cabin in the woods looking thing with bear traps on the side and some kind of like cylindrical metal looking thing on the left side. I don't know what it was. I mean, who <coughs> lives Who lives here? Is it like Matthew's, Scratch's Place, Ink's Cozy Cabin? I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I was kind of wondering too. And I, uh, I was taking a look at the cabin and it made me think about the movie The Cabin by Casey. <laughs> and I wonder if it, I was wondering if it was just a playful a nod to his own thing and a that it's called, kinda has a dual meeting that it, it's there's also like Matthews and I don't know. I yeah, is it, is it called Cabin, you said? Yeah, it's called The Cabin. Oh cool. I'll have to look that up. That's the movie that Jenna McCombie was it Jenna McCombie? That was Barn. The Barn. Oh the Barn. Well I'm retarded. I mean I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. Nice edit on the fly. Well, you know, it was hilarious. I looked up the cabin space Wayland. But, I, okay, so I did a real quick search of the cabin and Wayland because I was thinking it was the barn because I'm, I'm dumb. And um, there there was a Wayland vacation rentals or something like that, and it was like a bunch of cabins that someone rents out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you happen to see where it was? Uh, Missouri, I think. Oh, so there's a hint. Ooh. Maybe this, maybe part of this chapter takes place in Missouri. Get, get the heck away from LA. <laughs> the next story. They does. finally realized how to get how to be safe. <laughs> yep. So that's where the next story that Casey's gonna do is gonna take place. Oh, if if he does those little chapter vignettes or whatever. Or whatever, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. So, not the barn, because I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Yeah, no big deal. But I was wondering what it it is a representation of. I'm sure it's something that he has in his past, or a vacation spot. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I was, uh, I wondered if he'd had somebody take a picture, or himself took a picture of just a cabin somewhere and they kind of shopped it like a lot of the pictures look like they might be. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Good stuff. Yeah, really good. You ready for that good old bean footage? <laughs> Roll it. <laughs> so we enter the, this episode with crickets and baby crying. So I guess uh, Pegs is going to try to get up and take care of the situation. Oh, yeah, this poor little baby's crying, and Saul can't seem to <laughs> get the poor little thing to be quiet. Poor guy. Yeah, he said he's fed and changed the baby, but no luck. But Pegs picks him up, and he calms right down. They're on the same level. <laughs> on the same level. <laughs> oh, man. I was hoping so, for this to be, you know, Pegs, like, one of her big victories. Oh, <laughs> you, no. you find a way. <laughs> no, it, it gets worse. So my, they go in, they get the baby laying down, and they turn on the baby monitor. Well, I immediately thought, this is before form feedback and everything else, I immediately thought, I was like, oh, what if someone hears them over the, the baby monitor? Wow. Because we used to hear our neighbors and their baby monitor. It was very creepy. Oh, yeah, it was real creepy whenever you were, like, trying to get on the same frequency on purpose. Whoa! That was real creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It's only because she was pretty. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's really weird. Talk to the baby at night. Soothe it. No, I, I, we had an old one, too, and it, it would pick up the one of the neighbor's cordless phones or something like on occasion. I don't know. It was just terrible. Well, that could be uncomfortable sometimes. So I was wondering if this is going to lead to something, but I, I, I'm having second thoughts now. Well, yeah, I would, too, for the, at least the colony, since it seems like what happens later happens, but maybe it could be dangerous in the next place that's that we keep hearing about is so, you know, unpenetratable and cannot <laughs> ever be taken down. Lives up to its name. Right. We keep hearing about this. The castle. So, of course, there's going to be a team of behemoths at some point that's just going <laughs> to destroy it. This is going to Kool-Aid man the walls right. of the lower, lower level. That's right. <laughs> so... We get a little bit more of an inner window into Saul. He's having a beer at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and offers one of the pegs, which she doesn't want, then she realizes she wants. Yep, uh, she's scared of Scratch. That's basically what's going on. She's freaked out, and reasonably so. I mean, this person's got an obsession with killing her. Yes, and has been known to be in the area and doing some recon. Mm-hmm. And Saul says something that I think that's kind of played in everyone's mind, every fan's mind that listens to the show. Um, it, it's not going to end, is it? It's just a matter of time before we run across someone else and we're all gone. Or something along those lines. I think I'm missing something, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. Just another tower. You know, they're just back to the same thing. What all has really changed? And what have they learned and all that? Yeah, because they're still in the L.A. area. Right. Get the heck out. So we we know now that they did bring Duncan back at least. That was good to get at this point. Now we get more of it later, though. <laughs> and Saul says that idea is stupid. He does. It's a, <laughs> it's a stupid freaking plan. <laughs> so... Michael, uh, you know, Saul's blaming Michael for everyone moving out as if he had, he was in charge of this whole thing. Oh, he is. So, what? you know, he's in denial and has some misplaced anger. You know, he, he's definitely playing up the stages of uh, of loss or grief. So, I mean, when I say he, I'm talking about Casey. Right. Because it, it plays through this episode. I mean, he's... He's, he's, you know, there's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and he's kind of pile-driving through these. And, you know, you don't go, there's not like a specific order. Sometimes you'll have combinations of one or another, but they generally follow that order in a way. But, and he's at different levels with different people. But we'll get more into that conversation later. Okay. We've got but, a... Yeah, he's he's basically he's got plenty of blame to throw around, that's for sure. Um, and Pegs tries to talk some sense into him at the end here, but Saul is he's just not having it, and kicks her out. <laughs> and then it, he was crying there at the end, right? Yes. Okay, I couldn't really tell for sure because I thought we were on one side of the door, but we could hear both sides of the door, no problem, like in the uh, with no problem. He uh. He's just in a plethora of all the emotions that go through this. I mean, and he doesn't want anybody to see him weak. Yeah. And I think the only person he's actually broken down in front of when he's been able to control it is Victor. Right. So. And it's hard to it's hard to imagine being in that circumstance. And I always I often find myself questioning, would he do this now? Would I do this now? You know? But so it's I don't really know for sure. It is. But Pegs makes her way back over into the other room with Michael. Michael's got guard duty in about an hour, but what Pegs has to say is so important that he has to lose sleep over it. <laughs> she she seems to be a very selfish person in a relationship. I I, I just it keeps reaffirming itself. Yes. Yes, but, your your confirmation bias keeps Confirming itself. That's correct. Yeah. Yes, very much so. But I have to say that Michael is glutton for punishment because he chose to be with her again. So, Right. He has so many choices. 
<laughs> I don't know. I think I'd rather be alone. But you do know she can quiet a baby in the middle of the night, and I'm not sure you can put a price on that. Hear that? Mm-hmm. That's quiet. That is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you really, you can't, you can't argue that one. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's not like they have a baby together, so and I wouldn't plan to have a baby with her, and I don't know. She. I think it's seem quite like good clear stock. that you're the Pete to her Datu. <laughs> <laughs> so we're yeah. not. Wor- I don't think anybody's worried about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't like her. <laughs> I thought she was really good. I mean, she was, in this she, scene, she she actually got some actual airtime. We haven't heard a lot from her without it being like tiny little bit parts here and there. And this chapter, or this part, and then especially this particular segment, she got to shine a little bit. Now, it's good to hear from Elisa. That was, that was. I can't argue that at all. She She's an excellent person. And I'm just curious, uh, and I thought about it today when I was listening to the show. You know, Nicholas is the name of the baby. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is a nod to Nick Voodoo and all the good stuff that he's done for the community. Quite possibly. That would be freaking cool, wouldn't it? It would be. And he's he's done a lot. I mean, the amount of work he does administering the forum and having done We're Not Dead for so long. and Yeah. Kept it going a lot longer than I think most people could because a lot of it was a one-man show. Oh yeah, and it was a, uh, and it, but if it's not that, I wonder what it what it is. I'm sure there is, if not a if if it's not that, maybe some kind of family tie or something. I'm not sure. Lizzie's father or grandfather, whatever it was. <laughs> right, Grandpa Nick. Grandpa Nick. No, that's probably what it is. I, I didn't even think about it. And I had also had this question for you, since they were talking talking about guard duty here. And the, I think y'all did it differently than we did. Y'all had like four-hour shifts, right? And boot, like, you know, boot uh, camp and all that? Not in boot camp we didn't. We did... Oh, did we? We did two... We did one, two, and four-hour shifts, depending on what was going on at the time and how many people we had. Right. We was, always, uh, sorry. It, I think it was four-hour shifts. We always did one-hour shifts, so we had it pretty frequently, though it wasn't for the that length of time. And I always, I mean, I kind of had my the times I would prefer to have it, and the times I really didn't like to have it. And I was curious to know, you know, since they talked about the different times these people had, what was the time that you like dreaded the most? The hour right before wake up. Yes, me too. It didn't matter what time it was. It was just if it was the hour right before wake up, I knew I was going to be without that little bit of extra sleep feeling at least, you know. Right. I I didn't like that one and I really didn't like the one right before that one too because you cuz you had to get all dressed up in guard in your guard outfit and all that and then you'd have to get dressed back down. Try to go back to sleep, and by the time you got back to sleep, a lot of times it was time to get up, so you were going to lose two hours at that point. Now, I don't know if it ever happened to you, but did you ever wake up with the first morning call and be like, whoa, no one ever woke me up for my shift? No. Oh, no. We had someone fall asleep while on uh, guard duty. And I guess, no, they, I guess when the drill sergeants first came in, he woke up there and just pretended like he was still on shift. Wow. No, we always had four on duty. Blew my mind. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. We should do a podcast on boot camp stories. Oh, my goodness. Those are are numerous and hilarious to (laughs) at least the people that served. Yes. People that didn't would still get a kick out of a lot of them. Uh, They would probably think that we're full of crap because there's so much. I don't know. It's just so far out there. It is. Like. Like doing calisthenics in a room because it's punishment until the walls sweat. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds ridiculous, but that's what happened. Right. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's all I had for this scene, man. Okay. Yeah, the next one is the next morning. Michael's playing with Cody. <sighs> Better girlfriend choice. 
<laughs> yeah, she's a she's a, a knockout. <laughs> yeah. You can have a blast with her. <laughs> and you know, I thought about this last time. We talked about when I listened to the last episode, I noticed we just totally steamrolled Cody and didn't even talk about what it was in case people didn't remember. So I just I went and stole the line from the wiki. Um let's see. Uh, Cody is it's a bomb disposal robot modified by the army at Fort Irwin to lure, lure zombies into a kill zone then kill them with explosives. Michael gave this system the acronym CODI, K-O-D-I, for Killing Ordnance Deployment Initiative. Okay, and just in case you guys forgot or anybody forgot, probably didn't. A lot of people that listened probably knew it, but there might be a few that didn't. What? Uh, or trying forgot. To think of a, trying to think of a terminology. Terminology for what, EOD? Yes, that. I was trying to think of that. Explosives Ordnance Disposal, is that it? Um, Explosive Ordnance Disposal? Yeah. Well, there's another one, too. What, what, or is it mean something else? It's about the... Uh, Basically the hurt locker, hurt locker people, if you've ever seen the movie. It's a suspected... Like, it, they don't know for sure that IED. it's a... Yeah, there it is. Improvised. I was, trying to, I was trying to think of both of those. I couldn't think of them for nothing. Yeah, it's been out of the public consciousness for a while, it seems. It was such a normal thing for a while. I mean, we even had quarterly training on it for a while. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they still do. I'm sure they still do. Um, don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael starts talking about being tired, and Vic asked if it was the baby, and Michael replies, yeah, something like that. <laughs> so I don't know if he was saying Pegs was a big baby, or if Saul was a big baby, <laughs> or what was going on here. Something like that. The baby started it, and then <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to sleep after that. <laughs> So they're uh, they're still working on the pump with no success, and Michael has all sorts of comments about this. Oh yeah, I love how he mentions Pete and uh, it's still being a pressure thing, and mentions Pete's criticism of Dati. Like, oh, I guess he didn't know what he was talking about, anyways. Heck yeah, stupid Pete. And he also mentions we've done so much, but we're still held up on this single stupid water mill. <laughs> yes. You know, if they get it working, why would they spend the effort and resources to bring all those people back? That, and they're at a lake. <laughs> right? And further away from L.A., which is a good thing. Yeah, so we just need to get these guys on a, a bus and send them... Uh, it sounds crazy to say send them through the desert because so many things could go wrong. But if you could get on the other side of that desert to some more water-friendly areas where you don't have to make a well so deep that that has to have a huge pump. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many better locations with water tables easily accessible and, or, you know, a farm that probably has multiple wells drilled on it. Right. I don't know. Yeah, but we're not going to get it. we got <laughs> two chapters. <laughs> no, it ain't going to happen. So, uh, CJ calls over the radio and basically saying they're almost done with Duncan's sweat collection. A bucket full of Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they said they went over three hours the night before. And he, I guess, see, they don't, they're afraid they might not, may not have enough sweat. And so I'm wondering if, is that the reason why it's so effective? I mean, are you concentrating what, he has a lack of the whole reason he's uh not detectable by these things or you know what I don't know I have so many problems with this scenario if it's a lack of smell they're concentrating his smell if it's brain activity or something along those lines they're they have a fruitless effort I, I don't know there's just so many holes in this I'm waiting for it to fall apart badly. Uh, whatever they're saying that whatever he does smell like is what it is that the zombies aren't attracted to. Not his, not maybe his lack of smell. But or, they don't know for sure. They don't know for sure, but that's the theory that they're working with. And but I'm so saying, what if they're wrong? Well, yeah, the, but that's the theory they're working with, and it, I know it doesn't fit whatever your theory is currently, but that's just that's where they're going with it. Well, 
I'm wait. I'm just the what ifs leading up to a, a big disaster, and that's kind of where I'm I'm at right now. And if for it being so close to the end of the series, that could be where a lot of these people meet their demise. Yeah, I don't doubt it. There's, it could be any number of things that go wrong here. The truck goes out, the <laughs> 50 cal jams up after <laughs> the sweat bottles aren't exactly what the doctor ordered. So they're not going to use the spotters like they had out in front of the church. No, they're going to use CJ's cameras with wires. Of course. I, you know, and this is kind of one of those questions we pose too. It's like, how are they going to get the flashcards back out of the spotter cameras? But now they can do it remotely. Yeah. So that'll be nice. They won't have to use all that sweat like they mentioned. They'll just have to use one one batch. Right. And so they're going to set up cameras, I guess, just all around the, the arena area. That's what it sounds like. Did I catch that right? Like in a spider web is it around cameras? The, is it around the arena? I thought it was. Because they're, they're, they're going to be at one place, and then they're going to be all around the arena. Hmm. Where did you think it was? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, originally they were going to do it around the church, but that's gone now. Right. Um, didn't they see some other activity when they, no, no. Well, they know they had the one exit at the arena and I thought they were going to check the areas around the arena, trying to see where any other exits or entrances might be. I, I thought we were clued into another location that they could have been at from, where they spotted Skittles and a couple different things. Another location. I can't remember what it was. I have to go back and look at my notes now. Because I, I, I don't know. I might remember in something that doesn't exist. It's not triggering any memory of mine. <laughs> I thought they were going to monitor some other location. Hold on. Let me look. Okay. Because I can't remember. <clears throat> yeah, earlier when I was muted, I was trying to say, that the brain activities and the other thing is your theory. And just because they're not going along with that, it doesn't, I don't know why you're having such a hard time with that. And like, you weren't answering. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Did I offend him or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, I, then you were like, Mickey. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> then it was just quiet for a long time. That's hilarious. I love how you, then I saw, I love muted. how you attack my arguments. Because it didn't go along with your theory. <laughs> well, that's what beautiful. it is. You have you have theories with no basis, and then you're upset I, when they don't... With no basis? Theory. Like, it, there, there's no basis for it regardless. We, it's a story that hadn't been told yet. They're just ideas, and it, it's multiple things. It, we don't know if it's a smell for sure. We've only had a little bit of that happen in the past. We we don't know for sure if it's brain activity because, but we've gotten gleamings of what might have been that from what happened with uh, Datu. It could be a multiple. It could be multiple things. Those are unanswered questions. <laughs> okay, all I'm saying is that you're uh, you, you're saying there's holes in all the thought processes, but. What it sounds like you're saying there's holes in the processes because they don't match up with the way that you think no, it's No, 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 no. I'm saying they don't know for sure that is the case, and they're taking a bet on it. Right. So I thought, and I'm guessing maybe it's a time crunch, because I would think they would try to test this once or twice, but maybe the zombies are too sparse to do that now. I don't know. I, I Yeah, I think they're just really relying on something being the way it's always been and not being something out of the norm, which... I think is a good possibility. They, I don't care about my other stuff being true or not. I don't. I'm not the storyteller. I mean, I'd be mad if it was plants influencing humans to take over the planet. <laughs> that really crappy movie. <laughs> I guess it, we don't have anything other than the arena to go on. I thought they had another building they were going to go out in front of. Mm, if they did, I don't remember. Well, this just drives me crazy. I'm thinking of Chapter 45, Episode 1 or 2. I have no idea where I got that at, but I could have swore they had another place in mind already. Oh, well. I can't find it. 
Alrighty, well, if you do, make a note of it. We can talk about it next time. Okay. Let's see. Okay, so right after they're talking about well, okay, the spotters. Sorry. Right. Saul comes up and wants in on the mission. And I yes. guess Peggs is going to take Nicholas to Dunbar. What were you going to say? Um. Okay, what I'm remembering from today's show is... Okay, so they, yeah, they're going to set him up basically around the arena, but Michael talks about the tunnel and how there was, you know, a few different forks here and there that might lead to different exits, exits and entrances. <laughs> I almost said exits again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, it makes sense they'll be around the arena in some little spiderweb pattern. Yeah, I could have swore that they talked to, like before going to get Duncan, or. During the talk with Duncan, they named the other place they were going to look at. Eh, screw it. They might have. That would have been part three, though. Maybe. <sighs> and so, uh, yeah, what Saul wants in, he mentions they're going to need a real soldier. No offense, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, towards Victor. He didn't want to offend Victor with it, but... Right. And then also, this seems new to me, that... It might be months before Puck can walk again. Oof. Yeah, he got That's, pretty messed up. That really stinks that we may not get to hear from him before the end. Unless this really drags out here. Well, I don't know. There's always this idea that he threw in there about putting a gun in his hand and wheeling it around. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that does stink, though. What the heck? Between him and CJ, they could get around a little bit better. Oh! Well, you know, if she's holding on to the, the gurney or whatever he's on. <laughs> I'm hoping he'll make a speedy recover. Well, maybe they'll have a time jump. Right. That would that'd be good because, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a good time to do it because they could have the camera set up and like, oh, we waited months until Puck was better and then the cameras finally saw something. Hmm. Maybe. And then uh, Casey clarifies here that yeah they're they are going to use Cody but not for the camera setup. Yeah, what what do they get? Because they talked about dropping it off at the safe house first, which I thought was kind of silly because they're trying not to make a whole lot of smell on themselves, but it sounds like they're going to be doing some work beforehand. Right, but it's whole, got a ramp it can drive off. The whole idea behind that. Oh, does it really? Yes. The whole idea behind getting Cody out of there first is so that they'd have a full range of motion on the turret of the minigun. Oh, that's a good call. They're expecting to have some have some issues. Right. Yeah, they're saying what's is good. They have a backup plan in case the sweat doesn't work because they're going to go put these spotters out anyways. And I guess we could see this as a as their test. And if it works now, we might see it being used to a greater effect later in the story. <laughs> if not, it's back to the drawing board. Man, I can think of better ways to test it. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds terrible. Just not a lot of time left, I'm guessing. No. You see how it took a whole show to get them ready to do this uh, mission. <laughs> there's got to there's be a time jump, right? I mean, it just makes sense. That way they can use Puck. Right. If they go long enough, Nicholas can help out. <laughs> I know that's what it is. Everybody else is going to die, and Puck will be the one to carry on the protection. Right. Well, so the next thing we got is them walking towards, I guess, the area they got Duncan, because they can smell the the charcoal. Right. Which, I had a problem with this. I was like, so is his sweat not going to smell partially like charcoal? You know, like burning, like smoke? Oh, yeah. Good call. I don't know. I mean, and then these guys are already, I think they're already clean by this point. So are they not worried about them smelling like smoke? Because they've already taken their shower. No, no, they haven't. I'm out of order there. You're out of order. You're out of order. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, they get the, uh, the, someone ran the entrance. And we find out as Duncan, the silent alarms are going off. The not so silent alarms are going off. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as soon as they were done with Duncan doing his jumping jacks and running on treadmill and being in the sweat box, he bolted out of the colony gates. 
he told uh he told Kelly that ink he was sure that ink was going to find him at the colony right i mean now is this paranoia craziness going on or is he know something we don't well i, I think it's i well i'll tell you what i think it is i think bob bergen uh was wasn't available to record much more than what he did already <laughs> <laughs> so they had to have a nice escape for him. But uh, t- as far as the story goes, they're not going to be at the colony any- anymore. Maybe ever. So it may not be something we need to worry about. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they recorded that other earlier scene a long time ago. Oh, that's possible too. <laughs> he took off, man. He did. <laughs> I got magical legs. He's probably going to cramp up about half a mile down the road <laughs> after PTing already so much. I just kept running. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, CJ's getting ready to leave. And I'm like, it started occurring to me about this point. I was like, there's going to be no one left at the colony. And I'm sure we were told this already, but it, it just like, it finally hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, they're. The colony is going to be completely empty. Mm. For the and first time since we've known about it. After all the trouble they've gone through to keep it, take it back and keep it, <laughs> they're going to lock it up and leave. Right, they are. Sorry. I have having to mute a lot tonight to keep funny noises out of it. I know, you need to quit smoking. <laughs> And making your sarcastic grunts behind the guise <laughs> of a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> You're still stupid, Redbeard. Everything you say is... No, no, no. Your alternate <laughs> rea- reality is not true. <laughs> and you'll, you'll have to mute that last uh, comment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so they got two bottles with them. One of repellent and one of attractant. Essence of zombie. Yes. Uh, I guess we'll have to we'll see used. That's a uh, Chekhov's attractant and repellent. Sex Panther. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time it works every time, every or whatever it is. Ten percent of the time works every time. <laughs> uh, pay, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going through this and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. CJ's leaving. Pegs is leaving. Who? And you know. <sighs> Well, Pete and Max, they say, maybe kind of hanging around. Pete and Max are hanging out at a safe house by the by the windmill pump thingy, but they're locking up the colony. There's nothing there for anybody to get the stronghold. And so CJ's talking to Saul and giving her apologies, and Saul seems to be in acceptance about this. I I don't know. The boys got some issues. Yeah, right, they rightfully so. They had a nice little tender moment here, and I really liked um, getting to hear CJ be different than the leader and all that. And she's just wanting to be helpful and just kind of, you know, letting Saul know she's there for him. I think there's a, there's going to be a lot of little things like that between the two of them for a while to lead it to. The, the the listeners' conclusions to come up with that they could possibly get together at some point. I'm sure it's going to be acceptable in people's minds near the end. Yeah, and it wasn't, you know, it was never just one-sided. One-sided, Saul definitely had feelings for her, even though, well, at least from what I've gathered, it seemed like he liked her, even though he was tied up with Lizzie. Yeah, it did seem that way. So... It was good to know that he 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 kind of acknowledged it, that he understood why he was sent to Dunbar, and it was probably the best situation for him too. Oh yeah, yeah. I can I can somewhat agree now, even though we did not like that a long time ago. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> so closing up the colony, everyone is pretty much packed up and ready to leave. Pete and Max will be staying at the safe house near the well. They're lo- <laughs> so okay. 
This was hilarious, and I, I Adam caught it too. I had to go back and listen. I was like, "What? What, what was that?" I heard a "wee" in the background. I was wondering <laughs> what it was. Puck. Yeah, Puck. While they're loading up something heavy, after after he offers to help too, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Lady running away from pegs. Dogs' instincts are usually pretty spot on with people. It was at this point. That I thought <laughs> Scratch was about to show up and cat pegs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, when, oh, when she was running after. Um. Yes. Whenever she ran off, because I was like, "Why is this happening?" Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. I, I thought something was going to happen. And uh, there's also some feedback to that as well, saying something about the same thing. Change change directions later. Uh, let's see. Then you got. Tanya apologizing to Saul. Oh, wait. Kelly is going to be working on the relay, which I thought was pretty amusing. Right. Uh, but Tanya is apologizing to Saul, and Saul doesn't want to accept it. No, he doesn't. It does uh, not leave on a good note at all. Yeah, and he's... I mean, that's his mom. <laughs> he's not... I don't know. I, I noticed that a lot of people had issues with this part, but, you know, the fact that he seemed cooler with CJ than he did with Michael or his mom. Right. Yeah, I don't know what to say about it. It didn't seem right. But, but uh, when people are going through the stages of grief, they're usually not rational. Yeah, I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with that. And especially if he's been, I mean, hopefully he's not drunk. Maybe he's been drinking. And then he definitely would. This might not be, be mentally there and... He was drinking at 3 o'clock in the morning that day, so probably. Right. And hopefully this isn't leading up to the end of Saul, because that would be terrible. That would be terrible. And we close out this episode with Michael's journal. The Empty Colony. Right, and uh, the nice little uh, visualization of the trucks splitting and going their different directions. With everybody having their jobs to do. And Michael, as it says, wonders if it's the last time he'll ever see the colony. Which feels kind of like a goodbye. It really does. To what's been one of my favorite places in this whole series. Which kind of stinks. Did you well, catch, Was there a man's best friend joke in there earlier? Whenever it wouldn't listen to Pegs or Tanya. And then it listens to Saul. And Saul goes, I know, dogs, right? <laughs> And she's like, why does she always listen to you? And he's like, I know, dogs. I uh, thought it was a man's best friend joke. I couldn't tell. Also, it seemed like there was a little bit of romance in Kelly's voice when she talked to Vic. Yeah, I, I caught that a little bit too. Well, I think everybody's been expecting it for a while. I'm just waiting for it to play out. He said, I'll be real impressed if you get those radios working. <laughs> she said, then I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I guess we'll wait and see what happens if Victor makes it back to Dunbar at all, and maybe he will find love. The insurance salesman with the lawyer. That sounds like a joke waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Joke's on us. <laughs> so, beyond my holy theories... <laughs> got any last thoughts for this uh, chapter, for this uh, this episode? Um, no, it just, and it seems like we're gearing up for a, probably a fast-paced last mini-episodes. I'm not sure how many more breaks in the action we'll get from here on out. I don't think a whole lot. No, I don't think so. Um, and I've got no favorite line this episode. I didn't really have a favorite line either. I know people pointed out some... Some lines that were interesting or funny, and but I just couldn't find a favorite. So, what's your rating for this episode, there, Mick? Mm, three seven five. Ooh, gave it a three and seven five, which is a little I bit of a. Thought dip. it was good, but it wasn't. I mean, I didn't. I thought it was good and I enjoyed it, but not as much as some of the shows lately. Though. Yeah. Really did. I think it is a good episode to set things up, though. That's for sure. 
My fa- Let's see, Adam had some favorite lines, though. He said, um, favorite line is Michael, lack of sleep, I can deal with. Upset girlfriend, much bigger problem. <laughs> I'm going to, I think I'm going to adopt that as my favorite line. <laughs> and he said his close second, as you said earlier, was when Puck got lifted onto the truck and he says, wee, in a super sarcastic voice. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, and then I see our notes for the end of the chapter when we try to go through all the things a name can mean. But under pressure, huh? Maybe Pete's going to get that well going. <laughs> <laughs> Michael will finally get his release. What, what, and what's that? <laughs> He's away from pegs. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so oh. I had a couple of silly questions of the week last time. Yes. <laughs> what does Skittles smell like? And how does he decorate his water tower? <laughs> Cody Hines says, I imagine him accessorizing the water tower with items salvaged from the local pottery barn. <laughs> Was that include a papasan? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. See, Lisa, Lisa Betham says, I bet he smells like mushrooms. And I imagine the water tower is decorated with something like Wally's storage truck, which I thought <laughs> was the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. It smells like mushrooms. That would explain a lot. Uh, Chris Combatant says, I could totally see him painting abstract portraits, <laughs> which I, would, I wouldn't mind having. This little, <laughs> my studio here is kind of bare-walled, so. Listen there, artist, he has a request. Right. <laughs> Jason Christensen says he smells like Skittles. Duh. He's probably got one of those coffee tables made out of old, uh, made out of an old cable spool. <laughs> awesome. That sounds pretty cool. Cool wow. and awesome. The <laughs> <laughs> Haventon Wilson says Skittles smells like the ditto sheets from an '80s school test. It's the closest thing to to smelling like ink himself. And he sent a link along with this to a YouTube video. Uh, I think it was from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I tried to catch it right before we recorded, but I didn't. I couldn't hear it. My audio was messed up for a second. Ditto sheets. I don't know what that is. Somebody might know what he's talking about. I'm sure that it's escaping me. And then we have some listener mail from before the show, a few different things before we get on to the stuff that came in after the show. Uh, Justin Berger said, just a quick prediction for the last few chapters. I get the feeling that Skittles is a bigger part of all this than we thought. Uh, what if he is the real Bill Roberts, and the guy we call Ink is actually an experiment gone wrong? Skittles was experimenting on patients and accidentally created Ink. Skittles is Dr. Frankenstein, and Ink is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> okay, so Michael Patterson wrote, Guys, I live in Canada. It's not all cordial people sharing igloos. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> see how sure, polite sure he says. Not. See how polite he says that. Yeah, he even. <laughs> I bet he tipped his hat when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> and back to Justin Berger. Have I mentioned that? I think I had that we both write into the same podcast, and we had our emails read back to back. Oh yeah, yeah. That was funny. Emma Metallic says, I told myself not to write the thing, but I wrote the thing. And she, uh, she's talking about, is it, it's called We'll All Be Dead Soon, right? Yes. And it's a little fan fiction she's writing, and she's kind of crowdsourcing some of the ideas on Twitter. If anybody wants to help her figure that out, she's at Emma Metallic. Um, and probably, probably will be a link in the show notes. If not, just message us on Facebook. We'll, We'll send it along to you. And so far, she's got part one written and recorded. I made a short little part, kind of starting it off. And I think the story goes following the girl that Michael rejected at the very beginning of the, of the series. Yes. And we have a new listener. <laughs> <laughs> Dog the Goat, at Dog the Goat, says, heh. LOL, lady isn't as obedient as dog is. Silly lady. <laughs> I'm sure that's a blah in there or something after that, but nice hearing from you, dog the goat. 
Fantastic. See, Chris Eid says, I have a question for Redbeard and Mick. If you had the power to resurrect one character who we've already heard from in the show, who would who would it be? Who would you have liked to see more of from the sh- from in the show, excluding excluding Lizzie, Datu, Samantha, Kalani, Angel, no, Gatekeeper? No, just excluding Lizzie and Datu. Oh, oh, oh! I was like, he didn't leave a whole lot of options, right? <laughs> just out of curiousness. Uh, I'd probably have to go with Tommy. I'm thinking either Kalani or Gatekeeper, just because Gatekeeper was. Creepy and interesting. And starting to be kind of cool near the end. Yeah, I right. can see that. Um, yeah, I would like to have had Gatekeeper around longer. Uh, Kalani was gone too soon, it seemed like, when it happened, because we're starting to come around on him as well. So I guess we need to pay attention to people we're starting to come around on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're headed for the exit. Well, who are we starting to come around on? Hmm. I don't know. I think... It, I guess some people so are starting pickings. Tardust. Some, yeah, some people are starting to feel that way about Tardust. Yeah, I, I'm indifferent. I don't, I don't really care. I think for the good of the many, <laughs> get rid of the one. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, but if people are coming around on them, I got to be scared. Might might happen. <laughs> uh, Gloria sent us a picture uh, she took on the way to work last week. It's on the Facebook page if you haven't seen it. It's a it's a Mini Cooper and has a license plate that a license plate <laughs> plat. Sorry, I'm thinking about the bad astronomer Phil Platt. I love that dude. Uh, it's a Mini Cooper and the license plate says Tardus T A R R D U S, and she said that we're live had been on our mind. Um, <laughs> but a few people pointed out that this was a Doctor Who a Who reference to the Tardis T A R D I S, which is probably what it was, but I think the spelling was probably closer to Tardust. <laughs> so yeah, it it was meant to be Tardus, but you see weird life stuff like that, don't be afraid to send it on. Thank you, Gloria. The the cool kids will get it. Right. <laughs> Let's see, after today's show, Chris Eads said, I was excited that the show dropped early. I usually listen to it after you've already recorded. The sucky part about being a Brit on uh, the awesome episode... I was certain we'd be we'd go straight back to Burton Riley. Yet again, Casey Wayland deziver, delivers the goods. This really is the beginning of the end. I just felt that some of these goodbyes were final goodbyes for some characters. Every time I heard Peg's voice, I was waiting for Scratch to ambush, while she was chasing the dog or fetching Nicholas. Right Oof. there with you, Chris. <laughs> you know, it happened any time. He says that, and then all I could think about was. Is that what's going to bring Saul out of his funk? Is Tanya going to get killed off? Right. And somebody's, I think somebody said that as, uh, something like that was uh, about that exit or the, something about Saul being um, going to regret that being the way he talked to his mother for possibly the last time if something happens to her. Oof. Oh, so, no, wait, I just stole the next feedback because... I, th- I thought maybe I'd I'd missed it, but there it is. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, that's fine. I hadn't even gotten there. I was just sort of for some reason thinking about it. Maybe I saw that out of the corner of my eye, and just ran with it. I don't know. So that possibly means that Saul's gonna live. <laughs> maybe. I hope so. But I'll go ahead and read my, Matt's feedback anyways, because I don't want to steal it from. Him. Man, I think Saul's gonna regret that uh, doing that to his mom. We got a lot more deaths to go. I'll go fetch my cloak and Sith. <laughs> Who's bringing the shovel? The <laughs> 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 Haven to Wilson says uh, Skittles runs out of the colony and it just scratches waiting arms. Oh, seriously, where is he gonna go? The colony is miles away from his water tower and Bell. Also, he knows where Dunbar Tower is. And I bet that Scratch would like to would still like to learn its address. <laughs> hmm. I bet. Uh, Tony Hind says, "How about the fact that we were uh, treated to an earlier release that made my morning?" Yeah, that was pretty cool. 
I didn't get to listen. The funny thing was today I didn't get to listen to it as early as I normally do. But yeah, it was cool to see it out there when I woke up this morning and refreshed Facebook. So, did you go out and read Osiris's post about how Scratch might not have necessarily been a bad person in this if it wasn't for Bert's interaction with her in the very beginning? I think I uh, I hopped onto the last few pages of last week's and I saw something like that. And I I saw what looked like very combative uh, back and forth on the forums because I I saw Casey talk about something about grabbing some popcorn. So I was like, oh, I wonder, <laughs> wonder what he's grabbing popcorn for. And I go back a few pages and read the back and forth between him and a few other people. Well, beyond all that, it was a really interesting theory. And it's something that you and I had talked about a long time ago about how would it have played out if they'd have been a little bit more cordial or if Bert wouldn't have been so, you know... Uh, Aggressive alpha male? Yeah, yeah, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, it was an interesting thing. So, But you guys that are not on the forum, you should go check out the episode discussions on occasion and see what you, see what you can gleam out of it and yeah. help us gather some of that feedback as well. And it was, and what I read of it, what he said, like, and I didn't see all the different things that happened. So I'm not sure what happened. I'm, oh, I'm not touching that. It seemed like, it seemed like the general idea was that if Bert hadn't been so confrontational and pushing the envelope instead of just, you know, not doing that, <laughs> that, uh, I think in, I think if they were saying that they were putting things on him, like these things that happened after wouldn't have happened had he not been like that. And it seemed like it made a lot of sense, but it was not a very popular opinion. It was not. and um, But it I made think, sense to me. I think the common feeling is that regardless of that exchange happening, eventually the Maulers would have attacked them in some form or fashion to... For, you know, gathering resources and that kind of thing. I don't think they were all willing to go straight right out of, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, it would be an interesting debate to have, but we we would never know the answer. But No. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It was a very interesting debate, though. I mean, I, I had fun reading through it. Yeah. So, forum feedback. Yeah. See, uh, Verse on the forum says, still confused at... WTF is up with Saul. I was okay with him being beep uh, at the first because the emotions are raw. He's spinning and confused. Uh, at this point, it's been a day. He's cool to peg CJ Kelly, but treats his mom like crap. I don't get it. One would think he would learn from uh, or lean on her. I know they haven't had the best relationship based on hints from dialogue throughout the show, but you know what? Dude is leaving to go to, to maybe his last stand and gives his mom the cold shoulder. He treats her... He treats the dog better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it hadn't been that long yet. It's been like a day and a half, two days maybe. Yeah, I, guess. I don't think it's been very long at all. <sighs> He's going to have to get away from everybody in order to really have this sink in, I think. And probably in the worst way possible. That's how it'll play out. Mm. Os- Osiris says, I guess I'll I'll say it. Scratch raises Nicholas after she wipes everyone else out. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to butcher this name as Botemus. I don't know if I say it. But that, this person says, anyone else worried about them discussing their plans around the baby monitor with Scratch being unaccounted for? So, I, I think a couple people started talking about this once I got on the forums and saw it, but Cat hmm. Lero says, uh, Saul, either he's going to die or find a new purpose in life. Mm, I hope new purpose in life. Me too. Guru says, uh, wait, Pegs and Michael are sleeping together? Todd says, Tanya is in the red suburban. Red cars equal bad luck. That's science. <laughs> <laughs> Which doctor says, so Duncan runs out of the colony on foot? Oh, wait. Let's pretty much replace... Did which doctor put that out elsewhere? Did we read this already? Unless he has a different name. Maybe, I don't know. But which doctor says, so Duncan runs out of the colony on foot, miles away from his water tower? Where is he going to go? 
cough, cough. He runs in the scratch. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much the same exact same thing that. Let's see, what is it? The the Haventon said. Yeah. And he says, any plans discussed around Duncan and the location of Dunbar Tower? Hmm. I don't think Duncan knows about it. Oh, crap. No, he knows about it from before. Yeah, yeah. he was there I before. That. And he knows about the colony, and he knows about the plan to put out the cameras, and... And there's going to be uh, a baby monitor in Dunbar. So, I mean, it's just a lot of ways to... Really messed us up. To find them. And then if Duncan points him in that direction, then you pick up on the baby baby monitor. Um, so Tactical GHP says, under pressure meanings. It could very well be the meaning that we all expect pressure on tar- Tardus from Bert and Riley as they put his head in a vice. <laughs> Number two Literally. being, <laughs> I guess, torture, bring on the torture time. Uh, number two could be pressure on Saul from Lizzie's death and now strained relationship with his mother. Number three could be the pressure on Michael, Vic, Saul to find another tunnel and not get eaten in the process. Number four, it could be the pressure of Saul's return to field work after his long exile at Dunbar at a time when he may or may not be fully up to the task. Number five, <laughs> there's a lot of them. I don't know. Makes Cut some of these out. There is a constant pressure of Scratch lurking around the colony and not knowing what she will do. Number six. It could be the pressure of CJ fills now that she is in charge of Dunbar's safety again. Only this time with very few people trained in defense. Number seven. The pressure Pete and Max are feeling but are not getting from the well. <laughs> Number eight. It could be the pressure on Duncan to sweat to the oldies before Ink finds where he is. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, the pressure Michael is getting from a lack of sleep and an upset girlfriend at 3 a.m. Could be the pressure of one of those bear traps on your shin. Yeah. Inside that cabin, watch out. <laughs> Number, oh, that's, that's actually a glimpse of the finale. <laughs> Living in solitude, away from everything. The last survivor. Pegs and Nicholas is getting away. Zombies <laughs> are dead. And you get your foot stuck in a bear trap. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <clears throat> Number 10, or maybe this is all just a cry for help for, from Casey and the <laughs> staff. Because <laughs> they're feeling under pressure. See, so, yeah, Witch Doctor comes in with number 11. The comment Michael makes about the problem with the well being a pressure issue, i.e., Low water pressure. Todd says, so word association, stream of consciousness thinking, and a chapter title has me singing Ice Ice Baby in my head all day. Thanks for that. (laughs) Nice. Yep. And that's all I got. Good stuff. And Funky Dung on Twitter, Eric, his best friend has a really neat little zombie fiction that he's trying to share with us. And we said we said we'd share this with you guys as well. Do you want to put the links into the into the show notes? I will be putting a ton of links in the show notes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And he's got a. It's a zombie woman thing he's raising money for, and it's looks pretty good. And it looks like he's already raised most of the funds he needs to do it. So if you want to check that out and see if it's something you'd be interested in, uh, take a look there. Also, the question of the week this week. Um, unless you have something, I was going to ask because I'm, I've been very curious about how you guys have found us. Uh, how did you find the Weird Life Fancast? And if you could uh, send it to us through email at weirdlive at mickred.com or on Facebook, facebook.com/slash wafancast, or you can tweet it to us at wafancast. So yeah, just share that with us. We'd we'd love to see it. That's all I got. That's all you got. All right, so I hope you guys uh, have already heard the Burt Scott Marvin interview. And if you haven't, go check it out. And also, uh, dropping pretty soon in the next few days, uh, will be the Shane Salk interview. Excellent. All right, and then we'll talk to you next week when we cover part two of chapter 46. Who are you? Uh, Yeah, I'm Mick. (laughs) And I'm Redbeard. All right. Till next time. Till next time. 
In your ear holes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the We're Alive Fancast. If you would like to send feedback to the show, you can email us at we'realive at mickred.com, and we will read your mail on the show. We want to know what you think about We're Alive each week. Tweet us or email us your theories and reactions to that week's show. You can tweet us at, at WAFancast. Visit our website at mickred.com. Mickred is always spelled M-I-C-K-R-E-D. You can find the We're Alive Fancast on Facebook. Just search We're Alive Fancast. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song Ghost Apocalypse in this podcast. This has been a Mick Red production. <laughs>